That's recording, but I can't hear us. Hello, hello. Hello. Why are we not? There we go. Um, Okay, let me just get myself comfy as a tall man. (laughs) I feel very trapped Long legs. Do your legs have space to go? Um. Welcome to Reimagining Ceremonies, a podcast by Entheos. I'm Karen Dempsey. And I'm Fred Curtis, and we're here to start conversations about reimagining ceremonies. Okay, welcome back. Uh, what was meant to be the second episode of Reimagining Ceremonies will now be the third installment. So you're going to get. <laughs> what was intended for this week, next week. Because something pretty cool and major happened where, um, Karen, hello. Hello, Fergal. Uh, Ended up having a very cool experience, which has been happening behind the scenes for a while, but you haven't been able to tell anyone. I had to keep it secret. You had to keep it secret. So why don't you tell everyone what what I'm sure everyone listening knows, but yes, you'll know by now that I was on the Tommy Tiernan show Woo-hoo! on RTE One, and it was on fr- Saturday night, the sixth, I think. No, um, that's probably the wrong date. Fifth? No, the sixth was yesterday. The third. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't be throwing out a dates. singular number. Saturday <laughs> evening, Friday evening. Yes, Saturday, Saturday evening. evening. Oh my god, we're so confusing. Yeah. Anyway, on a Saturday night in recent memory, if you go on the player, you'll find um, it was season five, episode eight, eight, season eight, episode five. Yes. There you go. Great. I I know that because I've been trying to get it on the player for ages and it wouldn't work for me. Yeah, it seems like it hasn't been working for a couple of people because people have messaged me and said, I've been trying to get it on the player and I can't. And I was like... I literally got it on the player. I hope that's because so many people are playing it because our website crashed on Saturday night, which was... Horrendous to hear that, but also amazing to hear that because I was like, oh my God, that many people are interested. It That's means people are interested. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. It was also frustrating that they couldn't actually get to the site that they wanted to get to, but um, hopefully they'll go back again. Yeah. yeah. So we decided to cut into our regular broadcast that we yes. had planned um, and we are going to just do an episode as a kind of behind the scenes. You're going to yeah. give us... The info, the bits that we might want to know, and hopefully I will be um, both the listeners' ears and the listeners' voices and ask the right questions that people want to know. But as always, if there is anything else you want to know from Mm. Karen in regards to that experience or anything else, please do reach out to us. Our DMs are open at entheos.ie. Yes, Um, and info at entheos.ie is the email. There you go. But let's, why don't we jump right back to actually getting the call from who <laughs> to ask you any chance you want to come in and chat to Tommy Tiernan. First of all, I love the premise of the show. Yeah. I really love, I think it's so cool as an interviewer to be like, I can't do any prep. Yeah. Where do I start? But I have to be so present and so curious and so intrigued. So I just love the premise of the show. Yeah. Um, and it's true. All of it is true that um, Tommy Tiernan really doesn't know who's coming on the show. Um, and it is all very secret. And like I was told, 
until I walk out on the stage, I can't tell anybody that I'm going to be on the show. Yeah. And that's actually, it was nerve wracking, but it was also really exciting. And it was a bit liberating for me as well, because it wasn't a case that I had to worry about who did I tell or who did I not tell. You tell, I tell no nobody. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also there were things like people were talking about what they were doing on that Saturday night. And I was like, no, stay at home and watch the television. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't say it. Um, so I'm very thankful for the old RTE player. <laughs> that yeah. they can go back and watch it. Yeah. Um, so I got the call about it over Christmas. And it was the most, like our Christmas in our household for my family was really stressful because Liam was in hospital. My husband was in hospital for actual Christmas, for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Stephen's Day. Um, so my focus was, you know, getting the kids in and out to see their dad on, you know, Christmas Day and Roisin's only five and Ben on's 18 and, you know, cooking a turkey at the same time and, you know, all of these logistics. And in the back of my mind was that I'd just gotten the call a couple of days before to say that I, the date that it was going to be recorded on. So, um, so did you know... Well before Christmas? No, or a few days before Christmas. So a few days before Christmas, they were like, will you do this? This is the date. Yeah, simple email. Okay. Nothing, nothing, no fanfare, which is really funny. The really funny vibe of it is the people that work, it's their job. This is their everyday job. Yeah, they're For just... For me, it's like, oh my goodness, this is potentially total game changer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so exciting. So one part of my mind was obsessing about what do I have to do? do I, what do I have to prepare? I don't have to prepare because... There's no agenda in the meeting, I don't, or, you know, in the interview, I don't know where it's going to go. But also, obviously, I have things that I would like to say yeah. if I get the opportunity. I was like, what am I going to wear? What image do I want to portray? Because you're thinking as well, like when I walk out and greet Tommy Tiernan, um, what he sees is what he has to work with. That's his launch pad. Yeah. Um, then what do I want to portray to an audience watching? What part of me am I bringing? I mean, I want to bring all parts of me, obviously, but what am I really presenting? Um, who am I representing? You know, it, it, I am a classic overthinker. And as you mm -hmm. can tell, I overthought this. No, I, no, well, not overthought. I won't even say overthought. Maybe a little overthought. <laughs> like, I actually analyzed the chair that I was going to sit in. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would definitely... <laughs> I'm an overthinker, and I don't think I'd go... And think about the chair. I was deciding on what length of skirt am I going to go? <laughs> what is it a high stool? Is it a... Yeah. Um, and it's interesting you were thinking about all those things because then the conversation did start yeah. around how you present it. Yes. Um, so yeah, that was kind of... And that was one thing I was lucky in that I could preempt. Yeah. Because I knew that regardless of where we start... He's going to see me walking out with no hair. Yeah. So then I was thinking, he may, like a lot of people, presume that it's because I'm having chemotherapy or that I'm here to talk about a cancer journey or that I'm here to talk about not having hair. And ironically to me, that is such a small part of, like, I didn't, I wasn't there to talk about that actually at all. I know. But I also needed to hold in my own awareness that it's a, it is something that intrigues people and people are very curious about it, you know, how it is to be in the world without hair or, you know, mm -hmm. why don't I have hair and what's that like? So I was thinking, okay, I've got a little bit of, not, I'm going to say responsibility, but yeah, like it would be remiss of me not to talk about yeah. um, not having hair. Um, so we did, we kind of began there. I walked out. Let me tell you, one of the 
the things that stuck in my head. Um, when, if anybody's, anybody's familiar with the show, what happens is Tommy Tiernan is the interviewer. He's sitting on the stage, yeah. standing on the stage, and Fred, the compare, reads out, well, Tommy, our next guest is, and says the name. And either he does know who they are or he doesn't. Um, as in, you know, he may be familiar with a famous person or whatever, but he certainly didn't know who I was. Um, so I'm behind the, the kind of scenes. Oh my God, thing. it's like stars in your eyes. It is. I feel like tonight, <laughs> Matthew, I'm going to be Karen Darcy. I love it. <laughs> and tomorrow I will be in the next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you hear, I, I, I was waiting on Fred to say, there's this pause and he says, next guest is Karen Dempsey. And then the person behind the scenes is there going at you with a lint roller, getting all the fluff off your <laughs> shoulders. And she just stands back and you walk. So I walked, but I'm coming from a dark space into a fairly bright, it's not bright, but a little brighter space in my really tall heels. I've never seen this space before. So you don't, you don't get a kind of a preview at it. Yeah. And when I walked out, I was like, oh, can I say shit on our podcast? Yes. But I was like, oh crap, the, the stage is curved. So the edge of the stage was curved. And for some reason that threw me because I was like, where do I, there's no obvious place to step up. And there's the two chairs. And I was like, so in my mind, in the probably three seconds it took me to walk to the stage, I have this whole thing of, oh my God, I'm going to go this, I'm going to, I'm going to mess this up. So the choreography in your head nearly is, is you have to step up into the space, align yourself with the chair, greet Tommy, whether it's a hand, I was like, do I handshake? What are we doing here? Um, And then take your seat. Yeah. I remember in my mind hesitating at the step and kind of going a little zigzag before I found where the chair was. <laughs> um, when I watched it back, that did not happen. I just walked out, greeted yeah. him and sat in the chair. So it's a little reminder that your mind plays tricks on you. But then as I took my seat, he said, you're very striking. Yeah. Which is a really nice thing to say, actually. Yeah. Um, really nice way of putting it. He could mm-hmm. have said, oh, you're bald, which would be perfectly fine too, but you're really yeah. striking was a really nice way. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I chose well on what I wore. Because mm-hmm. it was in my mind, to anybody, the look I was going for was simple and elegant without being fuddy-duddy. Yeah. Um, without being too prim. <laughs> A suggestion of prim without being too yeah. prim. Um, but also, you know, respectful and trustworthy and all these various things um, that I think is hopefully the vibe I bring. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what was so interesting was I didn't know, we've, we've never actually discussed your baldness. Yeah, actually. And a couple of people have asked me and I was like, I've always said, I actually don't know. We've mm. never, we've never talked about it. I was like, I'm going to presume alopecia, but I don't actually know for definite like. Yeah. And then I think more recently I did hear you say it in passing. But what was really nice, I think, was when you were talking about it, it really um, confirmed for me why you want to show up in the world for people who feel marginalized or mm. ostracized because that was your, that was the experience mm. for you that it was like, I knew how to exist as this person, flip the coin, now I exist as this person. So you almost have experienced both sides. Yeah. So you've seen, you've, if you don't mind me saying, you've had the privilege mm-hmm. and then you've been kind of othered. Yes. And then I was like, ah, yeah, 
that makes sense as to why you've gone down this path and you've ended up. It was like a little snapshot of like, oh, okay, it, it confirms that we're, we all, and I think you said this, there's a story behind everything, but there is a story that is such an important part of Entheus. Yeah. You know? It's really nice for me to hear that reflected back. Yeah. Because the interesting thing for me as well was a lot of the way the conversation went were things that I haven't thought about in a long time. Um, and it is true. And sometimes I think I minimize that. I mean, even the way you put it there is so true that I have experienced the othering and the feeling of outsiderness and the feeling of difference and of profound difference. And ironically, it's as simple as not having hair. You can, you can simplify that and be like, well, that's not profound. But actually, the way society views people who, are dif- who look different or are different or perceived as somehow different mm-hmm. is profound. Yeah. It's not, very often it's not overt, but the person who is experiencing it feels it. For sure. Yeah. Um, and they're also, it's the thing of people mightn't be even looking at you in a certain way, but because of a bigger picture of society or experiences you've had, then you start to have this perception of being like, are they looking at me because of that? Mm. Are they looking at me, in your case, are they looking at me because I have no hair? Yeah. And they might just be looking at you and not even thinking anything, but then you've been given this narrative from other experiences and yeah. stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the mind again. Yeah. And one of the, the funny things when I watch back, because, you know, RTE has taken some clips that are now out there on, on reels and that on social media. And it's really funny because I've heard my own voice so many times now say, well, Tommy, everything's a story. Ha ha ha. That, but also... But I look at, at you through my eyes, right? And my husband keeps pro- quoting me that back. But I look at you through my eyes. Ha, ha. But the funny <laughs> thing is, it's true because I'm looking at the world. I don't see my own bald head when I'm engaging with the world. Of course. So sometimes it's not occurring to me. And there's times when people are speaking to me in a particular way. And I'm like, I don't get where this is going. And then maybe it might be Liam or Ben on or somebody that might go, it's because you're bald. <laughs> I'm like, but oh my God, yeah. Isn't that amazing that you've got to that point because you're no longer conscious of how you're being perceived by the world and you're just present and engaging with a conversation and then being like, "Mm, there's some energy here that's not right, blah, blah. And someone else has to step in and go, yeah, you're bald, Karen. (laughs) That's that's what is creating this energy is they're trying to figure something out, but it's so far removed from who you are now. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and I really feel for people who are at the very beginning of that journey. Yeah. Because it can seem like you're never going to get there. Um, and maybe not everybody does get there. Not everybody wants to get there. A lot of people are happy, you know, with a wig or a head covering yeah, or whatever way it might be. Um, but also I speak with a lot of people who do use a wig or a head covering and are not happy with that either, but are feeling trapped. Yeah. And I think that's what I kind of wanted to touch upon as well in the show was, actually, and I don't think that bit was aired. We did talk about that. Um you know, that sense of, I felt a bit like I was in disguise when I wore a wig, but also I felt like I kind of should wear a wig. Like there's something... The shoulds. There's something really strange creeps in. And I think it's about drawing attention. How dare you not take the conventional option? You have options and you're not taking them. And you're not. And how dare you choose to authentically be yourself? Yes, and I have had comments on social media saying, shut up and go get yourself a wig. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you look, there's a co- okay. there's a, pr- a picture of me. Um, it's on a few different platforms, 
but I think it's on the Facebook one where I'm standing at an Aer Lingus plane wearing a kufia, the Palestinian scarf. Yeah. And um, it drew a lot of comments from a certain group of people um, and who basically pro-Israel people, I guess I might as well say it, um, but who just wanted to get at me in some way. So going mm-hmm. for my appearance was probably the way to, I mean, that has no bearing on me. I couldn't care less what somebody thinks of my appearance. Um, you know what did actually get under my skin though in comments, talking about comments coming back, um, that was unrelated to the Tommy Tiernan show, that, those comments. But um, I think just as we always do on this podcast, because I'm also conscious being like, no, we must go chronologically yeah. and let's start it when you got the call. But as we Here do we in all these conversations, <laughs> we'll jump around and we'll jump back if needed. Yes. And as we say, if we need to re- even revisit again, yeah. we crop up again. Well, pause that thought then on the comments that dig under my skin, because I will tell you that. But in terms of chronological order, the thing that jumped first to my mind really was, what am I going to wear? <laughs> How am I going to yeah. present myself? And what's he going to presume and, and ask? And that mm. did kind of go, I did predict that quite well, actually, um, that we would start with hair. I felt then, you managed the conversation very well because, yes, of course, he started with mm. the baldness and that's grand and you were prepared for that and you're comfortable with that. So that's fine. But I felt you steered it in. But the reason I'm here is <laughs> this is the work I'm doing yes. in the world. I thought you drove that because you you couldn't do that through how you looked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was going to be frustrated if I walked away from there without having had the chance to talk about Entheos because yeah. I wanted, my, my agenda, I guess, was, yes, just to show up and be authentic and share myself with the world. But the reason I wanted to do that was to raise the profile of Entheos as an organization so that people who need our services know yeah. that we exist in the first place and where to find us. Yeah. That was my main thing. I didn't, I wasn't particularly interested in talking about weddings and wedding celebrancy. I wasn't particularly interested in talking about the training and that kind of stuff. It was the um, hospice and hospital weddings and baby funerals and Diedra Pride were the things that I actually wanted to get across. We didn't touch much on Diedra Pride, but um, in the actual aired interview. But we did. And kudos to them for how they edited it. It was amazing how they edited it. Because they edited it with... (laughs) Like when I was listening, I was like, that's great. Mm. That's Entheus's voice out in the world. Yes. And I know that you've told me before, it was actually a, like a 40 minute conversation. Yeah. yeah. Shortened to 15. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of missing pieces yeah. that I'm sure were just as amazing. But I think that they did an amazing job of being like, this is the narrative. Yes. And this is, the, these are the important bits. Oh, uh, I, I was fair so... Play glad and relieved glad and relieved and glad and relieved and grateful when it aired because when I came away afterwards immediately afterwards I couldn't remember anything I'd said mm-hmm. bar maybe the last few minutes um because the conversation is so incredibly intense it's no fast paced no fast paced he's asking questions I'm answering I'm trying to remember that I'm on a this is going to end all of a sudden and I wanted to make sure that I didn't end on a half said anything yeah. um so, and a lot of the time was spent at the very beginning, you know, the getting to know you conversation bits. And I was like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Let me get to the bit. Yeah. <laughs> While also not making it sound like I had an agenda because that's going to feel, that's not going to be enjoyable for an audience watching. You know, I, yeah. I want, you know, at the same time, it is an, a You want to share your message without... Yes, sales pitching. Yeah. Yeah. And it genuinely wasn't, 
never going to be a sales pitch because what I was talking about was the stuff that does not drive our income stream. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, when I when I thought about what had I said, every now and then I'd nearly wake in the night going, "Oh my god, I said that." I talked about this. I talked. We talked about Ben on quite a bit because I mentioned I began with talking about my hair falling out after he was born, um, and Tommy asked about his name and how he got his name and la la la. And at the end of it, I went. Oh, I never mentioned Roisin. And I was thinking, oh, what if this airs? And they, like I talk about Ben on and Roisin sitting there going, um, um, hello. <laughs> because I'm I, the star of this family. <laughs> yeah, like, you didn't even mention me being born on the kitchen floor. <laughs> yeah. Because she's yes. got a whole story. Like, the two of them have such stories of their own. Um, but I don't know the name, or I don't know the story behind Ben on's name. So there's maybe a story behind everything we're going to talk about. story behind everything. <laughs> so maybe. I tell you? Do you want to share that? Yeah, because yeah, I yeah, love yeah. the name. And I did yeah. say to Karen just before we started recording, you put up like a reaction video and I was like, you look so similar. But Benon just looks like the nicest person. Uh, he just looks like a lovely, lovely soul. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. And he's already said to me, ma'am, I've never listened to your podcast, so there's no fear of him actually <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> he's so embarrassing, mom. Um, no, he would never say that, actually. Benon would never say you're so embarrassing, mom, because he has a look that conveys that. But do you know, one day, slight sideline, one day when he was about five, he's 18 now, we were driving along in the car and something came on the radio and I was singing. And I don't credit myself with having a strong singing voice, but I was singing, I was enjoying it. And, um, and it got to, you know, the, you don't know for it because you actually do hit these high notes, but it got to a real high note that I was like, ah, oh, my voice didn't even go there. And I started laughing. And uh, he was in the back seat, strapped into his little car seat. And I said, uh, something like, um, I'm a great singer, am I? Ha <laughs> ha, no, not. And then on said, and I will never forget the gravitas in his voice when he said it, from the back seat in his little, little boy voice. He said, um, ma'am, don't you ever say that about yourself again. Wow. I went, oh my goodness. Oh. Like, in other words, don't you ever criticize yourself that way. Wow. And it was really profound and it stayed with me. It has always stayed with me. So he has had this wisdom mm. from a very early age. Well, how he got his name was, um, I was, I wanted to give him an Irish name. So yeah. I was, you know, and myself and Liam were talking about names and whatever. Um, and it was around, I have an uncle called Bernard and Bernard had died by suicide in New York um, shortly before, I mean, a year or two before Benham was born. And Bernard was amazing, such an amazing person, really good crack, really good fun. Um, and he was a part, member of the UN peacekeeping forces. And I remember him saying when he was in Bosnia, and I was a very, I was a young nurse at the time, I think I was about 22, and I was considering going over to Bosnia as a nurse. But you weren't allowed to go till you were 25. But Bernard said, I'll try and make this very bad at making a long story short, but anyway, mm -hmm. Bernard said at the time that what he had seen in Bosnia made him believe there must be a God because there can be no justice on earth for what he saw. Which I thought, whoa, such a huge statement. And he was a, probably a philosophical person, but also mostly I would have known him from having the crack and being in the pub and, you know, yeah. um, yeah, buying us shots and, you know, <laughs> sticking up for us with the bouncers. But, so that, yeah, that was Bernard, a very deep person. But I didn't like the name Bernard. And I don't really like the concept, personally, of calling a child after a person. 
So it was Bernard's anniversary mass, the anniversary of his death. And we were in the church and he had this very close friend and she stood up to read a poem. And the poem she read was Yeats, Yeats's uh, poem, When I'm Old and Grey and Full of Sleep. You know, that beautiful mm-hmm. poem. And as she began it, she said, this is for Ben. And I went, oh, she calls him Ben. You know, we would have called him Bernard. I thought Ben's a nice name. And something kind of connected in my mind where I thought, oh, if I could find an Irish version of Ben, maybe that might be a nice name for the baby. Mm-hmm. So I got home and I looked up the name book and um, there was Ben on. In, I have a very old Irish name book because Benon isn't a commonly known name. Benon, and it meant blessing. Banacht. So I went, uh-oh. That looks like it's a bit of a sign. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, people will be full of the, um, oh, your woman and her Irish names. You know, nobody know, nobody's ever heard it. Nobody's ever spelled it. Mm-hmm. But there's a slight extension to that story because that afternoon, my sister said to me, can I stay in your house? I have an appointment in the morning early and, you know, you'll be closer. So I said, yeah, yeah, grand. Turned out she was going to see the doctor at 9am the next morning and I at the time was working in a medical arena and I was going to see the same doctor for work at the same time at 9am. So one way or the other, the two of us were going to meet at this doctor's surgery at 9am. So we're laughing about that and then she said, well, I might as well tell you, I think I'm pregnant, so I'm going to confirm that. So we're like, oh my goodness. So next morning, two of us are sitting there in the waiting room and she said to me, um, have you thought anything more? Now, I'm, I'm pregnant with Ben on at this point. She said, have you thought anything more about his name? I knew it was a boy. And I said, well, and I told her the story. I said, yesterday I was sitting in the church. Mairead got up and read the poem for Bernard and Ben, da, 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 da. And I said, so I'm thinking about Ben on. Do you think that's mad? Like, do you think people would be like, oh, that's a stupid name because nobody's ever heard it before? And she goes, no, I actually think that's a lovely name and it's a lovely story. And with that, the door opened of the doctor's surgery and in walked Mairead. The, with her son, the person who had read the poem. And the two of us were like, oh my God, okay, if ever there was a, a, a sign. a sign." And then the next bit is, Lorna moved to Westport, to Ahagower. Who's Lorna? My sister, sorry, my sister who right. was in the, um, sorry, yes, who's probably going to listen to this. Um, but she moved to Westport. They got this kind of miracle house. They wanted, they needed to move house. They found this fabulous one. She came out of the house one day with her new baby then who was born, mm-hmm. Reese. And um, she said, you're not going to believe it. At the bottom of her driveway was a statue or a shrine to St. Benon. And outside that house was where St. Benon led the first pilgrimage of Crowpatrick. Oh, my God. And we grew up in a house in Dublin called Crowpatrick Road. <laughs> so I think there's all these. But the shrine to St. So Benon. So many strings to the web. So many strings. So Benon's name seems to definitely be the name that he was meant to get. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then that reaction video... It, that's on Instagram of myself and him sitting on the couch together. And Le- Liam's in the armchair, but he did not want to be on video. Um, but it was lovely to just share that, that little time and to be like, and at one point I walked out, when I sat in the chair, my leg was bouncing. You know, I have this mm. constantly active leg. And I said, oh, look at my leg bouncing. And Ben on says in the video, um, ma'am, you don't have to critique everything, you know. Oh my God, he's just the <laughs> kindest so soul. Sweet. He really yeah, is. He is. He really is. He's fabulous. Oh my God. I and love he's good that. crack too. Yeah he's, yeah, he's not all serious. He's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's jump back in. Let's swing mm. back to Tommy Tiernan. Yes. Um, so is there any other things that were talked about within those 40 minutes, like Benon's name, mm. that you would have liked to be aired? 
or that you were like, actually, that would be really nice to share now? Um, one thing was he was quite curious and interested in kind of digging down into the, like he says on, on the aired version, he says, is it too, is it too easy or something like that? Um, and we expanded oh, on that yeah. a lot more in the conversation. Um, and sometimes bits that were edited, sometimes I was like, oh, that doesn't quite make, match the exact question that was asked, but it doesn't matter, it flows perfectly. Um, but yeah, he yeah, asked, is it too easy? And I spoke about actually going to Loch Derg. I spoke about, you know, when I decided that I was going to commit to working in the space between belief and non-belief in this country, I figured maybe it is too easy to just make the decision and do it. I decided I wanted to go to the edge of my what my edge on belief and non-belief. I wanted to be uncomfortable. I wanted to make myself uncomfortable to mm-hmm. see how I respond. So Ben and Aline went off on holidays for a week to Spain and I had a free house. I could have chilled out on my own, had a nice time, but instead I drove up to Donegal and I got in the boat and went to Loch Derg <laughs> for three days. And I did the full Loch Derg fasting and praying, no sleep, barefoot pilgrimage. And I did that to experience it because there's a generational piece, I think, around spirituality in this country for a lot of people, you know, especially the, the generational impact of Catholicism, good and bad. You know, a lot of families have a lot of trauma around it, but also the faith of my predecessors, my grandparents, great-grandparents going back through generations, they would have had a very strong faith. So I didn't want to cut it off too much or I didn't want to dismiss it or minimize it. Mm. So they would have gone to Loch Derg. So I went to Loch Derg. Um, and I'm always careful about how I speak about it. But what I found, I guess, was it was a, it, I, I was so glad I experienced this kind of rite of passage, this initiation kind of thing that would have been seen very much as an important part of somebody's spiritual journey in Catholicism. Um, and it's very important to the people of this country. I experienced that, but I also realized that the three nights of fasting, praying, um, being uncomfortable, staying awake, it's very like nursing. I was like, I can do this oh, all wow, day long. Yeah. <laughs> I okay. can do this all day long. Um, and I, I, was, I actually realized oh, I'm, much better off in a, I'm, I'm much better off dealing with people in a real life situation than being out on this island, fasting and praying and going through the motions. Because one thing that did bother me was um, there's this whole thing about the priest being separate to the pilgrims. And I get that, right? The priest is there to say mass and, and do that. And, but it was made very clear, priest is not a pilgrim, you're the pilgrim. And I felt that took away from the sacredness of the space. It took away from my experience of the sacredness of the space because I felt like the priest is like, well, this is my job, nine to five. Uh, so the priest wears his shoes uh, all the time. I'm clocking off. I'm clocking off, yeah, I'm not a pilgrim. Um, where to me, a sacred site is a sacred site and should be for everybody. So it should be that whoever is coming to celebrate the mass steps into that space with the pilgrims. But that's not what happens. The priest is on the altar wearing shoes and socks. Mm. I mean, I would think just go barefoot for the mass, just even to create the sense of communion, to use that word in the more general open sense. Um, you know, there's food cooking in the, in the priest's house and I get it. The priest has to eat. I know all that, but... Um, I just felt it impacted a little bit on my, my personal experience of the sacredness of that space. Um, Maybe it should be a situation where it's not a 
a priest who's there to do, like a resident priest, that priest should come and go. They should be part of it. Yeah. And I mean, and I really, I'm always conscious because I don't want to sound like I'm critiquing years and years and years of what, the, I mean, that's how, yeah. that's how it works. Of course. But, but that was my experience being there as a pilgrim. I felt that, I felt there could be, there, there were different ways of cultivating the sense of sacredness. I felt there were missed opportunities in different places where the sense of sacredness, I mean, you're not letting your mobile phone, right? Here, I don't, the Archbishop might be listening, I doubt it. But there's a place on the island that only one place that has phone signal. And there's loads of and people. that's where you'll find me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the funny thing is, that is certainly not where you'll find me because I went there for the pilgrimage no, experience. And I know you're yeah. talking about it. But, um, but I went there for that experience. So when I look and see all these people, like little ants, clambering around this piece around the back of the wall where there is phone signal, I'm like, come on. Like, yeah. what's the point? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's phone signal. Like, you, surely yeah. if you're going to come and do Loch and claim that you've done Loch Derg, put your phone away. Um, like I would have loved to have taken photos, but I didn't because I, I would think if anybody takes out their phone, they're breaking the sense of sacredness for other people. Yeah. Um, it's amazing that they didn't get you to leave your phone somewhere. Yeah, because like, they take your shoes away. Yeah. Um, and there was people, and this is the other piece as well. There were three uh, young women that came and I don't, I forget what it was. It was something about either they were, oh yeah, I think they were found with a bar of chocolate or something like that. And they were sent off the island. I just thought, you know, what about the forgiveness? What about the second chances? But the immediate punishment, when I heard that as well, that jarred into my sense of sacredness or, you know, what I would, I would hold forgiveness sacred. I would not hold punishment sacred. So hearing, and there were some people that were kind of gleeful about the fact, oh, people have been sent off the island. Oh, they broke the rules. Yeah, the bit of goss. Oh, you know. Um, anyway, I'm going to hold side. Here you go. Everything's a story. But, um, yeah, that was... That like, would be the name of the episode. Everything's a story. <laughs> Everything's a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but that was one of the pieces that I thought may, may have aired because not that many people anymore who are not very devout Catholics go to Loch Derg. Mostly it is very devout Catholic people. Um, of course, there's a lot... Yeah, some people go for various reasons. Um, and the other thing that we talked about was, as part of that question, Tommy asked me about, you know, what do I mean by ministry? And I, I will often say this, you know, to me, ministry is everything that we do. It's how we are in the world. And everybody, you don't need to go and do a course to be a minister. Everybody, if they want to, is a, min is a minister in their own right or has some form of ministry, whether it's doing a garden, whether it's baking a cake, teaching kids, um, singing. If it's, you know, if you think that you do nothing in the world, it's never really true. You know, we all have mm -hmm. some kind of impact in the world. And I'm not saying, you know, maybe you don't want to engage in the world at all, in which case, there you go. I'm not saying everybody has to find a form of ministry. But what Tommy Tiernan does as a presenter to me is ministry. Because it's sitting in a space of vulnerability with another person in trust that you will find mm -hmm. shared space. Um, and there's real courage in that. Yeah. For both people. And people that are watching the show then in, are probably enjoying it because they enjoy watching that connection unfold and they enjoy a touch of the mystery and the intimacy and the and discomfort. The figure, and, yeah, the figuring out of the conversation of, yeah. you know, being like, 
I don't I don't know if Tommy Tiernan gets nervous or anything around doing I think them he or, does, to be or gets apprehensive. But yeah. it'd be it would be interesting to know that because there are moments, I think, in all conversations where you are like, Okay, and where do we take this? Yeah. And then to have the knowledge that people are gonna be listening to this, you don't want them to think that you're having a little moment of <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's a it's it's fascinating to yeah. watch. And I found him very humble, to be honest, mm-hmm. or unassuming and gentle. Well, okay, I'm going to say gentle, actually, and challenging. I found mm. his manner gentle, but he was challenging in the questions that he asked. And I welcomed that. I would much rather a challenging interview where we get into the nitty gritty than a gentle, you know, shoot Well, the you have the, you know, your answers. Yeah. And you hold space for everyone else's views while also saying, but no, this, these are my yeah. views and these are my opinions and these are my answers. So I suppose in that space, you've nothing to be nervous about. And that was actually a really important piece for me as I got ready for the interview. Um, I was going to say psych myself up, but it wasn't even that. I drank chamomile tea, chamomile tea before. I was like psyching myself down because I wanted to be in a grounded space mm. going in. But I was very grateful for the fact that I genuinely had nothing to hide. There was nowhere that yeah. I was thinking, don't ask me about this. Um, and that was a real liberation, you know, yeah. to be like, that was, that was a real endorsement of where I was at and what I, what I was ready to share. I was ready to answer whatever he asked me. Um, and that actually kind of brings me into the piece when I said about, I was preparing for comments on social media. I'm well used to. Yes. I'm well used to getting, you know, Shitty comments on social media. Put a wig on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Shut up and put a wig on. Not only has she lost her hair, she's also clearly lost her mind. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, That was from Raphael. My favorite one the other day, though, and I put it up on my own Facebook was, um, who's the sexy skinhead? She's boring the whole off me. I was like, that was a roller coaster. It looked like it was a compliment. It was going, yeah. <laughs> It giveth and then they take it away. <laughs> um, that made me laugh. But the ones that I knew something was going to get under my skin. I thought it might be something like boring, who cares? You know, yeah. um, I knew that that wouldn't get under my skin, but it would be like, oh, it would, I would feel me about it. The ones that got to me were the ones that somehow suggested or accused me of being inauthentic. That and can really I just say me. that did not come across. I thought you were so holy yourself. I thought you answered everything with such like clarity and grace. And I watched it with my parents and they both commented. I think it was my mom. And she was like, well, I'd trust her. Oh. And then, yeah, like they both anyway, I can't remember their exact words, but they're both like, oh, yeah, no, came across very well. Mm. And yeah, no, that's great. And yeah, well done there now, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I think, listen, I don't know who's making oh, that comment. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I've let it go. But on the day when I was full of adrenaline. You didn't need I, I thought, that. Yeah, I thought, oh, and then I worried. And then I watched it back to make sure. Because one or two of them had like particular things that they said. And um, I watched it back. I was like, did I, did I misrepresent? And I can stand over everything that I said in... Um, in that interview. Now, bearing in mind, some, co- some sentences would have been longer sentences had the full thing been aired. Um, Are you blaming but, the edit, Karen? No, <laughs> no because, <laughs> because what I love is it all flowed perfectly. Um, yeah. It did, really, really did flow perfectly. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm not even overanalyzing it because 
I don't feel like I was inauthentic anywhere on that. No, um, and I don't think that came across. And it would actually be really intriguing to ask any of those people for them to develop those comments. And why did you find it inauthentic? And listen, I don't know I who they are. I think it's projections. Well, I would <laughs> I would agree and assume and listen. And look, and I do have shadow sides. That's the other thing. I mean, I was going, I was going on going, what is the shadow side that I'm, that's out of my awareness that maybe I'm not aware of? But um, you went back and watched it. Yeah. You went back and said, okay, I've gotten that comment. Let me go back and watch it. And that's checking in to be like, yeah. was I inauthentic? Yeah. And the fact that you even went back to watch it, that kind of gives you your answer that you weren't. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So and people are going to read certain things and through a different lens because it's their own lens. You know, they they exactly. interpret it through a different lens. But um, now these, and this is a very small never, number of people. But, yeah. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why someone has to be negative like that. <laughs> Somebody said, "I wish she'd stop saying for free." It's really putting me off. Like, I saw like, that. Like, what's one. she selling? I was like, "Oh my god, read your own sentence." <laughs> just kept saying it's for free. <laughs> and somebody else said that they, um, if they were on their deathbed and I was harping on at them, that it'd be really annoying. I was like, that they tell me to f off. I was like, I wouldn't be next nor near your deathbed unless you specifically asked for me to yeah. be there. You know, these kind of, but they're just that's. I mean, they did not. Do they think they're funny? I don't know. Like yeah. you do be like, because it was know, kind of. I did laugh. Yeah. But I was like, that's so bizarre. But it's like. Yeah, do they think they're gas? Do they think they're actually just having a bit of crack? And they're just mm. taking the piss? Or I don't think and they are. And somebody said as well, um, they, uh, well, I'm left with loads of questions, but I'll keep them to myself. <laughs> oh, well, you know. Great. <laughs> That's really going to get us everywhere. <laughs> Thanks for telling us. Great. Off you go, make us have a cup of tea. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, they're funny. They're Pete, funny. Do you know what? You have to laugh at them because... Yeah. No, and then equally, if something hits you... Yeah, do, look at it. Do it yeah. like yourself and like look at it and go, ooh, I don't like that. Why don't I like that? It hits a value. I'll go back and maybe I am being inauthentic. I don't know. And you know what? Actually, one of the lessons that came when I really analyzed that, am I inauthentic? Is there? Is it getting to me because there's truth in it? Because that's the things I always ask myself as well. If something bothers me and I want to reject it, I'm like, do I want to reject it because it contains truth? Mm. So... And I do have supervision, you know, and I, I, I explore all these things so that I can be as authentic as possible and catch myself if I'm going down any slippery slopes. And that accusation or whatever the word is around being inauthentic, disingenuous, whatever it was. I realized actually the shadow part of that is that's what drives my I do have a degree of workaholism. I do have a degree of I feel like I need to prove how genuine I am all the time. Yeah. And that leads me to work probably harder than I than is actually healthy <laughs> so and maybe that's the lesson is actually what would it look like if you stopped trying yeah, to prove yourself trying to prove it because I'm never going to be able to prove it enough to people somebody's always going to say something yeah and, and especially on a platform like Tommy Tiernan you're gonna get comments yeah you're going to get people who are going to be negative and it's really hard to separate that when you're the target but most of the time if someone's making a negative because people have negative opinions and people have negative comments yeah. to say they're not throwing it up on social media they're maybe chatting with their friends being like oh I thought that interview wasn't great now because of this and this and yeah. this but the minute you're making it a public statement that's the minute I'm like 
are you okay? Do you, mm. do you want to have a chat? Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Do you not have anyone that you can share these opinions with? Yeah. And have a bit of... In a healthier way. In a, yeah. Do you, ha- like, I don't know. And I think it's important as well, actually, to acknowledge the privilege that I have of being a cis, het, white, uh, Irish-born woman on Irish television. Because I do hear and I do see the responses that people of colour get, members of the travelling community, um, you know, immigrants going on Irish television. I mean, uh, people can come for me, but there isn't really that many places they can really get me where, you know, that will really devastate me, where somebody like that, when people come for who you actually are, Mm -hmm. that must be devastating. So I have a huge empathy now for anybody. If we ever see people, and if I see people on the television now who are trans people, people of colour, LGBTQ plus people, anybody that's underrepresented, I'm going to put a positive comment on their, on their piece. It's really important because they draw way more negative um, comments just by nature of who they are, yeah. and that's devastating. And that's but, a great way to counteract it. Yes, put the positive com- comments. Because there's loads of times I'm scrolling on Instagram or watching something, and I'm like, God, they're great. Yeah. Oh God, they're fab, but I don't write it. They're probably reading the comments. I have read every comment on every platform, mm. every one of them. Um, and I have done since, since I knew I was going to be on, I've analyzed everybody else's comments to see what's the tone of the comments on the Tommy Tiernan show. And they are mostly good, but yeah, people do. There's definite critiques come in quite a lot. Um, but yeah, if you see something that you like, comment on it, especially if that person is a member of a minority group. Um, yeah. They really need support. Oh my God. Yeah, use our privilege. Use our privilege, absolutely. Support, love, mm. all the bits, all the stuff. Um, what was it like on the day? Like, <gasps> what would have been the highlights? Like, it sounds like when you sat down with Tommy, it was an intense conversation. Like, obviously, there'd be lights on you, people in the room, but probably an energy going in between. Mm. But around that... Like backstage, because your makeup artist is Tommy yes, Tiernan's makeup yes, artist. Yes, Michelle Kinsler. We'll give Mich- everybody look up Michelle Kinsler Lee on yeah. social media. She's fabulous. Like what? What were the highlights around it? So do what, they do they like walk you in with a bag over your head? <laughs> not quite. But um, it was funny because I was like, Michelle does my makeup. Well, it's not that I do like, but um, anytime I'm doing something that's I'm you know that's important to me how I look. I love when she does my makeup because honest to God, it's like a facelift. Or it's just like, she just makes me look as best I possibly can. And ironically, she's also Tommy Tiernan's makeup artist. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I can't have her on the day. But also, I couldn't even ask her advice on things because she's his side of the fence. Yeah. <laughs> so the secrecy is, you know, he's not allowed to know who the guest is. Now, obviously, she would never say anything, but um, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't tell Michelle. Um, but when you arrive, so they sent a car for me, the most beautiful car. Exactly. Um, and I went out to get in the car and as I got in, I was like, oh, I forgot to bring a bottle. You know, I was kind of in that frazzled. For me, it takes about five times. I have to walk out the door, in, out, in, out before I actually leave. The car came at 2.30. I was ready to get this bottle of water and the driver was like, here's your bottle of water. You know, it was, the car was loaded with, you know, nice stuff, the <laughs> yeah. little treats and whatever. And he, the driver was so Oh, I just so need to lovely. jump out and get my hundred grand. Yeah. <laughs> Any hundred grand lying around in here that I could use for the day. <laughs> Never checked for that. Mm. Um, yeah, no, he was lovely. Chatted away, gone over. And um, and uh, then when I got there, you know, you go in and Kate, the researcher, who is 
wonderful and was so reassuring. And, and I connected with Kate through a friend of mine, Aideen, who had photographed my wedding. So she's fire, fire child photography, look up Aideen too. Um, Aideen had said to Kate, oh my God, you, you and Karen, you should, you should, you know, connect with Karen and see, does anything come of it? And something did come of it. But yes. of course I couldn't tell Aideen either. Um, so myself and Kate connected, Zoomed, and then she emailed saying, with the date for the Tommy Tiernan show. Um, sorry, back to the car. Get there. Kate greeted me. In we went. Um, so I went into... Were you dolled ready? No. No, the bits were I richer. was wearing... Actually, I was wearing nearly what I'm wearing today, but a different top. But I had the, the dress with me. Um, and of course, like an Egypt, not even properly steamed in hell. When I took it out, I was like, oh my God, why did you not remember that it was going to need a little press? <laughs> but um, I had the stuff in my bag. Got there. Kate showed me to my dressing room. Which is lovely. It's like a little. I just have this image. I need a steamer. Yeah. I need a steamer. <laughs> I need it now. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> and red skittles. <laughs> Did you not get my rider? Um, but actually, funny enough, the dressing rooms in uh, RTE are like no. That well, maybe they're not. I was going to say they're like the little rooms in uh, Lockdark, but no, they're actually not. <laughs> they're just very. Plain. We're all off to RTE for a little pilgrimage now. <laughs> no, they're actually not. Sorry, they're much nicer, but they're very simple. It's just a little kind of bench bed, but it's got an ensuite. Oh, yeah, sorry, Lockdark did not have an ensuite toilet and shower room. It's got a little toilet shower room, place to change your clothes. Probably does have actually an iron in the room. I can't remember. Um, but I went in there, changed my clothes, then went out to the green room. So when I got to the green room, Paul Merson was on the big screen. So he was the first guest of the night. He's from Arsenal. He spoke about addiction. Jesus, Beautiful that's, interview. That's tough for Tommy. He does the three he does interviews. does the three in one go. Yeah. It's tough going. Oh my God, fair And play, I was Tom. like, oh no, I'm lost. He'd be exhausted. He'd be so flipping sick of talking to people. Yeah. But he wasn't. He had great energy for it. Um, and he doesn't really have, if he has a break, it's a very short, like five minute break. Because yeah. it was bump, bump, bump. Um... So, 40 minutes, you're chatting nearly two hours. Yeah, well, he did about four, yeah, he, he did probably three hours. Yeah. Um, so he's there chatting away. Um, Liam and Wayne Lee and Fiacre O'Brien on were in the green room as well. And you know, you're like, oh, what's the etiquette here? Do I, do I fangirl? <laughs> do I like, oh, hi. Or do I keep to myself? So, hey, uh, I'm a guest too. Yeah, I know. Wink, what, wink. What are you going to be talking about with your big harp? <laughs> um, so no, they, and they were, when I got in, the, the team were lovely and they were like, you know what, will you have, will you have a, it wasn't, will you have an open bar, um, Prosecco and all that, anyway, I don't drink, so it doesn't matter, but it wasn't, the, it didn't seem to be that style of green room, I don't know, could you have a G&T if you wanted, I had chamomile tea, so, um, and I was kind of watching the interview, but also not, because I kind of wanted to stay in the zone, Yeah. Um, Michelle was there at that point, so I was like, oh, um, and I just was, I kind of just wanted to keep to myself a little bit as well, just to... Yeah. Save the energy, not not put myself into some kind of a flow that I didn't want to bring to the interview. Then, then Liam and Fiakna went in, and they had their harp and whistle. So there's a whole thing of like, who's going to carry the harp? How do they bring the harp in the whole accoutrements? Mm. Um, off they went. I could I watched a little bit of theirs, and then I got called upstairs for makeup. And when I got upstairs for makeup, um. I was like, oh, Michelle, when I was leaving, I was like, do my face. Um, when I got up to makeup, the person up there was like, um, you seem to be not expecting me. And I was like, hi. And um, there was a person from the Tommy Tiernan team. She introduced me and the makeup artist was like, so who are you? And I said, I'm Karen. And she goes, yeah, but who are you? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how to answer this question. Yeah. 
is this like you're going to do my makeup according to whatever answer I give you? Because oh, I don't know. Um, I said, I'm going on Tommy Tierney. And she goes, yeah, I know. And she just kept saying, who but are who you? who are yeah. you? So I said, I'm a celebrant. And she goes, oh, okay, take the seat. I was like, that's so weird. Like, <laughs> what difference does it Maybe make? Maybe she has like a moral compass <laughs> that certain people in certain careers don't get to sit in her chair. It was really strange. So that, And then I was like, oh, I feel like we're off to a weird start now. So she started going at my face. She didn't say, what sort of makeup do you like? What, la, 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 la. She just started doing the makeup. Now, the makeup was lovely and perfect and beautiful. It was just a funny kind of vibe of somebody's, painting my face <laughs> I don't know what's happening yeah um anyway it took ages ages and ages and ages and ages and um and then got back downstairs and and I think they were kind of like uh I was ready up there like <laughs> yeah. so um came back down and then it was all very quick down the stairs um into the kind of behind the scene part get the whole lint roller bit I don't think I had any fluff thankfully and suddenly I'm hearing our next guest is Karen Dempsey. Boom, out you go. And that's when I was like, whoa, walking out. And the stage looks like it's floating. Okay. So I described that at the beginning. I know the edge, the curved edge of the stage, but because there's underlighting, kind of looks like it's floating. It's got this surreal quality. Sit in the stage. You don't see anybody else. They're all in, the team are all in darkness. Obviously they're there. I don't think I even could see the, I think I probably could see the camera, but it was a black camera in a black space. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of strange feeling of being on this, Stage that feels a little bit like it's floating in this really intense conversation with a really intense person who is very curious um, and very interested. And I was very invested in giving as much as I could. So I think he probably didn't ask that many questions because I (laughs) spoke Mm. so much. Um, But at one point as well, he did say, when he said, is it all a bit easy? Watching it back, I was like... I couldn't actually believe that I said, elaborate. Oh, I thought that was the perfect thing to do. <laughs> I was like, but I, yeah, I was amazed at that, that I had the presence of mind to do that in the moment. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad I thought I that that mm. was so smart to be like, mm, where, I don't where know you go? What, I don't yeah. know what you mean. What, easy, what you mean easy? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah no, I thought it was, I love when interviewees do that go well what do you mean in order to answer that question i need to know what you're actually yeah. asking me and then he handled that equally well given that back yeah, to you yeah. like his answer was really helpful to me then so that yeah. i could answer um i was i wasn't sure would they air the story as well about the rotunda that story i told about you know being on the corridor 4 a.m um, oh, yeah. i wasn't sure would that be a bit jarring but i think it came across hopefully nicely um in the way that it was intended, because it genuinely was a turning point moment for me when I went, I don't know the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. And I want to know the answer, so I'm going to go and bring myself on a whole other journey. And that's one of the stepping stones that led me to here, to sitting on this couch in this space on a podcast with you, Ferg. <laughs> um, yeah, it's amazing. It's cool. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and I think you did an amazing job. Thank you. I, I really do. Like, I we think. haven't seen each other since, so nope. this is literally, this is a real life question and answer yeah, yeah we exactly. haven't discussed this yeah it's like you've had two two surprise interviews because because yes. i was Tommy like i was like karen i i'm not going to tell you what i'm going to ask you <laughs> yeah. do you know who i am Ferg? 
Um, I think that that's we'll wrap that up today. Mm. After this, should I say that we're gonna we're gonna be on the radio? I know this is oh, obvi- yeah. obviously it's gonna air. Blah, well, blah, blah. It, it will have aired. This is going out um, next Tuesday, and. Uh, we will be, be on the radio on Saturday. On Saturday. On Dublin City FM with James O'Hagan. Curiosity, isn't it? Curiosity. Hope I get that right. Sorry, James. Um, and Patrick Wilson McCarthy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Because what I want to say on that is what was lovely was James texted about us coming on that podcast or on that um, radio, radio show. show. On Saturday evening, while I was trying to keep myself calm about Tommy Tiernan. Yeah. And it was really, I was so glad that the text came before the show aired. Yeah. Because, uh... I was like, oh yeah, that means that they really want us on before they actually even know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that so we're happening. yeah, we're heading over to the lads now in about an yeah, hour, Smithfield to yeah, yeah, and uh, it, they're they're both so well. We've had James in here. Yes, you'll you know. see James is actually pinned on our Instagram. Yeah, and Podrick is just lovely and sounds oh, it's and exciting. Funny. Yeah, so it's going to be cool. Um, so listen to them, Dublin City FM. We'll give them a little shout out. Yeah, I know they. I think they go. To, out 12 well it doesn't matter it's already been out but it is released as a podcast as well so even if you didn't listen to it or hear it on saturday they have it i think it's on all streaming podcast platforms i know it's on spotify i've listened back on spotify um but let's leave that there thank you so much Ah, thank you so much love these loads of love rate review subscribe do all those things comment comment (laughs) tell us how inauthentic we are (laughs) do not (laughs) 